I love that Matt Redman song. It's all about Jesus. And isn't it easy to make it more than about Him? It's one thing that I've really enjoyed about studying Revelation with you guys. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. And I think that's one of the biggest blessings that come, that we're promised when we study this book. We get to grow in Him. Um, there's this church in Starsburg, Germany. Uh, they got this big clock, and around the clock it says, One of these hours, the Lord is coming. I love that. I want to do that in our sanctuary. Wouldn't that be cool to have our clock and have that around? Because we don't know. Okay, I mentioned before that I prayed when I was a kid that I'd miss the rapture so I could stay during the tribulation and fight for Jesus. You guys need to know I've like totally recanted and <laughs> I now pray, Lord, come quickly, get me out of here. Right now it's beautiful and wonderful. Anyways, um, <clears throat> I want to throw out as we jump into Revelation 16 together this morning, um, a little bit of uh, football talk for you dads in a way of honoring you on Father's Day, unless you like that other type of football. I'm sorry, Wes. Uh, <laughs> but for the rest of us, um, who won Super Bowl Seven? Undefeated team, 1973. The Dolphins against Washington Redskins, 14 to 7. Why is that significant? Why are we talking football this morning? Because this chapter has seven bowls in it, guys. So, the bowls are God's final judgment prior to the great white throne judgment that we read about in chapter 20. If you're in Christ Jesus, guys, that judgment, the white throne judgment, piece of cake for you and I. We get to go and have a judgment before the Bema seat of Christ. But for the non-believer guys, they're going to be judged. You guys know that Jesus took all of our sin, all of our judgment, that wrath we deserve upon himself. That's the beauty of the gospel. So, these judgments here are very similar as we read Revelation 16 this morning to those that took place in Egypt in the trumpet judgments earlier in this book. So, four of the seven trumpets correspond to Exodus plagues. You guys remember the fiery hail? The bodies of water turned into blood? Darkness and locusts? Likewise, the sore bodies, uh, the sores, and then we have the bodies of water that get turned into blood. Darkness and hail caused by bull judgments reflect the Exodus plagues. So the trumpet and the bull judgments share five judgments, which the, 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 with the exception of the timing of the hail, and they also follow in the same order, which I think is pretty cool. Isn't that pretty cool? Sorry, as a pastor, I geek out about those kind of things. I think it's cool. So, however, the trumpets that we've just studied were only meant to call sinners to repentance. Now, the bulls, their final judgment, are more severe. 
The first bowl, the swords. Let's take a look at verse 1 of chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth. And a foul and a loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. So tension has steadily been mounting here. The chapters have been pregnant with doom. Now it's time for that storm with all that pent-up fury, the landfall. It's kind of like a Category 5 uh, tropical you know, cyclone building up, okay? And it's about to hit. So in verse, uh, each verse of chapter 16, it's going to pick up speed and it wrecks havoc on all of humanity. J. Phillips said this, merciful, the storm will be short. And best of all, it will leave the skies sunny and clear for a thousand years. I love that. So these bowls, we, we shallow, or the, these, these shallow bowls were used um, as sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord there in the temple, God's temple. But here, they're filled with a foul stench. And we're also told that this is going to take place upon earth, so each angel has a specific target for the contents of his bowl. So there's going to be like this laser-guided precision accuracy in which these bowls are going to be unleashed. And then this tells us that it's a foul and loathsome sore. Um, severe, harmful, painful sores. Um, I think about the ones that like to ooze a lot. I picture that in my mind. I'm sorry, guys. But it's going to be bad. Open wounds, ulcers. Uh, bulls was the sixth plague in Egypt, right? Exodus chapter 9. So a boil is an outward sign of an inward problem. Catch this, guys. So we can say that spiritually so also. Do you guys know the tension that we have when we come to faith in Christ? We're told that we are made a new creation. We've been born again in the Spirit. We have a new nature. We don't want to sin anymore. Where did that come from? That's the new nature. But isn't there a lot of tension? We still sin. What's going on? There's something on the inside. There's a flesh issue. Read Galatians, our flesh and the spirit. Aren't they fighting all the time now? Man, life was easier when I was just a sinner. I did whatever I wanted. Who cares? But now, being new in Christ, we have a new nature and we have this war going on. And oftentimes, when things come out, and we do this, or we do that, or we say what we shouldn't say, what's going on on the inside? That should be a key for us to say, something's off, something's not right. Something's going on in my heart. I need to seek you, Lord. I need help. My flesh is stinking real bad right now, like a big loathsome sore. So, Verse 11, guys. Um, oh, this makes me think of Job. <laughs> Didn't Satan use the same thing against Job? The sores? Yeah. So, 
Now God uses it against Satan's servants. I think that's kind of cool. So verse 11 here, to say the sores do not disappear. So it's an incurable disease. Upon the men who had the mark, we're told. So the plague was just for those who had the slave brand of Satan already. They had taken the mark of the beast. And God says, hey, have another. And then look at verse 3. This is the second bowl. And it talks about the bloody sea. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of the dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. So angel number two here steps up to the plate. And the Lord's first miracle was to turn water to wine. Now he's turning water into what? Blood. So the sea. Do you guys know that water covers approximately 71% of our planet? That's pretty cool. That's roughly 326 million trillion gallons of water. Why'd you put it as million trillions? Because I don't know what quintillion is. But it's 326 quintillion. That's a lot of water, guys. And it's filled with what? Rancid blood. Man, life will be impossible to sustain. Do you understand how bad this is going to be? And imagine the smell. Oh. So, third bowl. Bloody rivers. Look at verse 4. And the third angel poured out on his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is, who was, and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So heaven shouts in verses 5 and 6 here, guys. God's justified in all this terrible judgment. And then the second part of verse 6, you think about those who delighted in the shedding of blood, now are forced to drink blood is a fitting punishment. So in God's government, the punishment fits the crime, doesn't it? It is not cruel. It's not unusual punishment. You guys remember Pharaoh tried to drown all the Jewish boys? You guys remember that in the scripture? What ended up, to, what ended up happening to Pharaoh's armies? They drowned. Haman wanted to have Mordecai hung on the gallows. What ended up happening? He was hung on the gallows and his family was killed. And then we have King Saul refused to obey God and slay the Amalekites. Do you know the one who slay Saul was an Amalekite himself? This wasn't cruel and unusual punishment. Actually, it's their just due, according to verse 6. They deserve it. This is not God being cruel. This is God being just. Look at the fourth bowl. Global warming. That's what I call this. Check it out. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. 
And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. So here's where the global warning proponents say, I told you so! It's going to happen. They're right, guys. (laughs) They've been reading the Bible, maybe. (laughs) Anyways, picture all the water systems full of blood, and now couple that with intense heat. How gross. Okay? Imagine the thirst man will have. I just want a cup of cold water. Malachi 4.1, for you dads, Verse 6 is an awesome dad verse, but I'm just going to read verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will stumble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. So suntan lotion with 100 coverage or whatever they call it, it ain't going to be enough, guys. You get the point? Nothing's going to protect us from this. And then if you go back, verse 8, the question that comes to mind is how long will this last? Are you guys asking yourselves this question? How long is this going to last? You know, what if the great ice sheets of Greenland or Antarctica began to melt? Okay? Don't you guys know global warming's happening? The oceans have gone up like that much. Henry Morris, I love the brother. He said there's enough ice stored on these two great reservoirs. It is estimated to raise the world's sea levels about 200 feet if they were melted. Think about that, guys. And William Newell reminds of the of, reminds us of this, and this is really ministered to my heart this week. He said this, If men are not won by grace, they will never be won. I would encourage you guys maybe to chew on that. God's judgments usually don't change men's hearts, nor do they seem to be de- designed to do so. God judges sinners not to reveal his grace, but what does he want to reveal? His holiness. Be holy as I am holy. Have we not been reading the praises, the worship songs of Revelation? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. His holiness. You see, these sinners suffer from, catch it on the screen, what I call call acute pharaohitis. Have you guys heard of that before? That's the hardening of of your heart. Have you guys read that? Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Another plague, and Pharaoh still hardened his heart. A fifth plague comes along, and what did Pharaoh do? Hardened his heart. And then I get the question as a pastor, how is it fair that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Well, if you read it, guys, Pharaoh hardened his heart. 
Not once, twice, three, four, five times. And then we're told that God hardened his heart for the last five plagues. But did you notice that he chose what he wanted to do? And I think God does that, and that's why we need to be so careful. Because if we harden our heart to him, he's not going to say your heart has to stay soft. I'm going to make you be humble. I'm going to make you get saved. We have responsibility. And if you choose a hard heart, you know what God's going to let happen? He's going to let you have a hard heart. That's what I see in Scripture. So take care of your heart, guys. If the Holy Spirit's been working, convicting, convincing, do not run. <laughs> do not harden yourself to Him, to His voice. Seek Him while He may be found. Today is the day of salvation. Acute pharaohitis, isn't that cool? Look at verse, five, or verse 10. We're going to look at the fifth bowl, and this is darkness now. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Isn't it hard as a parent when you have to spank your child and they just don't get it? You ground them, you find different ways to discipline and they still just won't get it? Does your heart not break for your kid? Big time. I think God's heart is breaking, guys. Here he is. Rich in mercy, guys. Long-suffering, desiring none to perish. The world's getting spanked and they're still not repenting. I look at what's going on right now. People think it's really bad. I love perspective while studying Revelation because I see all the chaos. This is nothing. <laughs> this is really nothing compared to what is going to happen one day. But even in the little things, as bad as we think it is, why don't we see people seeking the Lord? Why aren't there unbelievers who've come out this morning wanting to know the truth about God, to seek Him, to hear His Word? What is it going to take? Well, if we consider verse 10, guys, the first four bowls were directly towards nature, right? The natural world. But the fifth now... It's a frontal assault on evil. So far, the beast has been immune, but now his throne is shaken. Like the throne of Pharaoh, he is powerless to defend himself. And did you catch it said they nod their tongues. This may suggest confusion or mental derangement brought on by this prolonged and physical suffering. Verse 11, this is kind of the crescendo of hurt that brings the crescendo of hate. And we see a whole lot of that going on right now. 
I've been hurt. <laughs> now I'm going to respond with a whole lot of hate. So in a thousand tongues and dialects, men lift up their fists, their fists in filthy words of blasphemy. Verse 12, the sixth bull, Euphrates. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of kings from the east might be prepared. And they saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming up out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out of the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to a place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. I take this literal, guys. I was in Israel in February, and I brought back a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I brought back a lot of rocks. And you guys might be thinking, Pastor, I know there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but this rock I picked up at Megiddo. You know what Megiddo is? It's Armageddon. Okay? And why is this so cool? Because of Revelation 16 here. Verse 16. This is where the final battle is going to take place. When it talks about three frogs in verse 13, they're not literal frogs like Kermit. I think they're frog-like demons. Satanic trinity at work. Do you guys know that frogs are cold-blooded amphibians who dwell in two worlds? Many have poison in their skin. Many can change color at will. And they, their leap is re remarkable. So these demons, cold-blooded creatures of two worlds, full of venom and poison for mankind, they are swift-paced to lead men to their bloodbath end. So the kings of verse 14 will think they're moving upon their own free will. But how often men think they are free to do as they please, but in reality, they're accomplishing the plans and the purposes of God. And ironically, they were commissioned by this unholy trinity, but they unknowingly work the holy trinity by gathering the nations together in one place for judgment. You guys see what's going to happen? Pretty cool. Look at verse 15. Why is this verse here? As we read this, were you guys scratching your head? That's how you get bald, by the way. You read the scriptures and you're like, what? <laughs> but here we have verse 15. It says, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blesses he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So verses 13 to 16 is kind of like a parenthesis here. And I believe verse 15 is another pause of John's readers to take heed. 
Pause. Think about this, guys. You know, blessed is he who watches. So who are we watching for? For him. That's why I encourage you guys every single week, look to Jesus. Have your eyes on him. Look to him and watch out. So when a soldier is enlisted into the Roman army, he had to take a triple oath. And I want to share that with you guys. The first part of that oath is that he would do whatever, whatever he was called to do. Secondly, that he would be ready at any moment. And thirdly, that he would never leave the army without his commander's consent. So this triple oath is called sacramentum. It's where we get our word sacrament, okay? Which was the believer's military oath of obedience to the great commander. Now, we have two sacraments that we are taught to keep in the New Testament. Unless you're Catholic, you get five more, you got seven. But the Catholics like to add things. Do you guys know that? They got 13 extra books in their Bible. It's not good to add things. Do you guys know that the 66 books we have in the Bible are harmonious? They fit together perfectly. You take any one of those extra 13 books that the Catholics have added, we have contradictions like crazy. It's no longer harmonious. It no longer fits. If we add anything more than the two sacraments we're taught in the New Testament, we're adding things to what God has called us to do. And do you guys know what the two sacraments are? We did one of them together this morning. Communion. Another one is what? Baptism. If you haven't been baptized, guess what you should do? Get baptized. We're going to have a service July 26th out at the Vandermoss Farm. And we're going to do a baptism out there at the quarry that Sunday. So if you haven't been baptized, please touch base with me or Pastor David. You need to get wet for Jesus, okay? So, uh, <clears throat> check out where it says keeps his garments. I want to share this. But if you follow me, it's pretty cool. Uh, during the night, there was a captain of the temple who would do rounds. Okay? So on the approach of guards, they would arise and they would salute uh, in a particular manner. If a guard was found asleep when he was on duty, he was beaten. They would take his garments and burn them. And then the confession of one rabbi is on record that it says on a certain occasion, his own material uncle had actually undergone the punishment of having his clothes set on fire by the captain of the temple. So we also, guys, need to keep watch. We need to watch out for the world. We need to watch out for the embrace of the world. The line of persecution might be a threat to us, but being hugged by a bear of this world, okay, is often comfortable, so fuzzy, so squishy in these fuzzy arms, right? 
But what is actually happening? We're slowly being squeezed to death. And the church doesn't feel it. Verse 16. That great day of God Almighty. This is judgment day. Armageddon, Har Hill, Megiddo, the hill of Megiddo, also called the plain of Estralon, the valley of Jezreel. Here's where Barak defeated the armies of Canaan. Gideon defeated the Mennonites. King Saul lost his life there. Post-biblical times of battle have been fought there. The Egyptians, the Crusaders, the Druze, the Turks, the Arabs, the Persians, Napoleon, Bonaparte. He actually called this place, Armageddon, Megiddo, the most natural battlefield upon the whole face of the earth. Perfect for the world to think they could take a stand against their creator. So who is able to make war with him is asked back in chapter 13, verse 4. Well, God, <laughs> that's who. And the outcome is going to be chapter 19. So let's look at the last bowl together. Number seven. I call this shake and quake. Look at verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done! And there were noises, and thunderings, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now, the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities, oh, sorry, verse 19. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities, all nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her a cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then every island fled away, the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. So the seventh bowl here is poured out. In contrast to the seal and the trumpet judgments, no interlude takes place in between the sixth and the seventh bowls. The time allotted for repentance, it's past. And then verse 20, it tells us every island fled away. It's because of the quake of verse 18. Earth appeared to be running away here. So this type of language is used to describe divine punishment in the Old Testament. And then verse 21, that hail, guys, around 100 pounds, a talent, 100 pounds, missiles of ice, big ice sculptures, Hard to imagine hail the size of Uriah. How, how much you weigh, Uriah? 118? Okay, hair smaller than a Uriah. Just imagine that size hail, the damage it would do. I mean, we, we shed tears over the ones that are like an inch big because they dent our cars, okay? <laughs> 
So hailstones, the size, would bring total destruction is the point. So such a storm would level cities, obliterate forests, and leave few survivors and, and animals. So the final bold judgment brings wholesale devastation upon the earth. So why hail? I'm glad you asked. Blasphemers are supposed to be stoned to death. Leviticus 24, 16. Does that make sense? So from here, guys, we'd go to chapter 19. But John takes a magnifying glass back to a word in verse 19. And that's Babylon. Chapter 17 and 18, it amplifies... And then we look at Babylon's destruction. So we'll look at that in three weeks from now. You guys can be praying for Pastor David. He's got the pulpit the next two Sundays. But this whole thing, guys, Satan's entire system is about to be judged. And doesn't need to be judged. I considered with you guys last week, Satan knows that his hour is getting close, right? It's trying to take down as many as possible. This weekend, 22 major cities had satanic marches going on. You guys might be like, what? For real? Yeah. Guys, we have festivals locally in the valley that are satanic. They are worshiping Satan. It is here. Be aware. I'm amazed when I go on Netflix, a show called Lucifer? Really? And you look it up. Wow, there's a lot of shows that come around. Satan. Not just evil. The essence of evil. Satan himself. So, Satan's entire system is going to be judged. His religious system in chapter 17. His political, economical system in chapter 18. And then the military system of his in chapter 19. So over the next couple weeks, you have homework. I want you guys to read ahead in those three chapters and see how that is dealt with. So I want to end with this. Maybe. Hey, we see a planet. We are so much concerned about the overpopulation of the earth May we, as children of God, followers of Jesus, those who've been saved by the blood of the Lamb into eternal life with Him in heaven, be concerned with the overpopulation of hell. We're concerned about a lot of things going on right now. But big picture, brothers and sisters, people are going to hell in a handbasket. Your friends, your neighbors, family. Let us be on our knees. Let's be preaching the gospel. Let's be loving in the name of Jesus that this world can look on us and know that we are his disciples, that he is alive, that he alone is Savior. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We'll close in prayer together.
Well, again, Father, we thank you for a beautiful morning to gather together in your name. And even as it's getting a little more uh, hot today, and the sun is out, it's, it's becoming a little unbearable. But it's nothing compared to the reality in which most are going to face. Because they don't know you. Because they've rejected you. God, help us to share the gospel well. Let us be instruments of your grace. Father, help us to be a beacon of light in the darkness that is all around us, God. We thank you so much that you are holy. And because you're holy, you are right and you are just. And the things we've been studying as we consider these bold judgments, it's kind of hard to swallow. God, but we know that you're absolutely right in all of it. We are so deserving of so much punishment and of hell. But that's what makes you so amazing. This is what makes your grace so amazing. And we are most grateful that you saved sinners like us. God, thank you for redeeming us. God, help us to come alongside the solution, the ministry of reconciliation, sharing you with this world. Help us to shine well for you, Jesus. I pray, Father, for Pastor David as he prepares the next couple weeks to preach your word. God, show him what you would have for our fellowship. God, protect him and Rosanna. Watch over them. Bless them. We pray for our church family as a whole. God, protect us from the evil one. We know the hour is late. We do ask that you'd help us to keep our eyes upon you. We pray for wisdom for our elders just in moving forward, steps and timing of things and what not to do, what to do. We just pray, God, more than anything, that we would just be in your will. God, that we would be about your business, about the gospel of peace. That's what this world longs for. And we know that you're it. So until then, we want to keep preaching you well, Jesus. And we ask that you'd help us to do that. In your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Again, baptism on the 26th. The day after Liz and Wes are getting married. Woo! How many days is that, guys? 34. So baptism in 35 days. Uh, the address for the Vandermoss Farm is up here. You guys can jot it down. Otherwise, we'll be sharing it on Facebook in weeks to come. But if you need to get baptized, I would love to talk to you. God bless you guys. Love you. Pray for me and my family. We're driving a lot in the next couple weeks. Appreciate it.